0: And welcome to the uh, next episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's me, Justin Wollen, and you can contact the podcast at JustinWollin or email me at Justin.wollen at Cisco.com. That's two O's and one L. And today we're joined by our regular contributor, co-host, I think we could say now. Oh, oh co-host. I've been promoted. You might awesome. have been. Might have been. <laughs> you might have been. Uh, Mark Jackson. Just ask where the budget is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As you can most probably tell now, there's uh, somebody else in the room with us. So uh, as well as having Mark in the room, we've got by uh, Greg Page. Uh, and we're going to talk today about cloud. Uh, so this isn't a weather forecast. Po- we haven't moved to a weather forecast. Uh, but we are going to talk about clouds. And the reason is because um, I'd like to say, again, me and Mark had a production meeting, but which basically was me and him catching up on the phone. And we were talking about subjects to talk about, and he said, well, I know this really great guy called Greg, and he's really bright as a bird, and we want to talk, yeah, I know we are talking about you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pointing at yourself and going, shrugging shoulders doesn't sort of work well on podcast, does it? But, there you go, just a bit of context for everybody. Yeah. Um, around clouds, and I mean, it's something that I think, oh, I just end up talking about, but in a really high-level way to go, I talk about accessing cloud, but you're accessing cloud services, and things like that, and we just throw it out there as a comment, but do I really understand what it is? No. So, uh, that's why Mark said, let's maybe do this as, a, as mm-hmm. one of our podcast topics. Yeah. So, here today,
1: we've got Greg Page.
0: Um, do you want to introduce yourself? What's your name and where you come from?
1: <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, so obviously, you know, my name's Greg Page, um... I've been working at Cisco for about 16 years. Crikey. Uh, that's been you Mark, hasn't it? Uh, no, no I'm b- 19 years. Oh. oh!
0: You're putting my nine to shame. That's it, I am the new boy in the room. Yeah,
1: The, the, uh, the options are already uh, disimbursed, yeah. so <laughs> no advantage there. Um, so yeah, so um, about seven years ago, I was pulled into the Enterprise Business Group, um, which is a MIA-based team, uh, specifically the new data center team that was set up, and I was pulled into the office and said, I know you've been doing security for lots of years, particularly service provider security. I'd like you to get onto this cloud thing. So like, pick something that's...
0: different. There's nothing to do with
1: security. Yeah. And do cloud. Well, it does in many ways. So we'll, we'll, I'm sure, we'll yeah. talk about that. Market um, security, know, policy, everything. And all the rest of it. But yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, it was a very, a very good, um, yeah, fortunately, I, you know, it's a very good change of focus. And, um so we've been trying to figure out this whole thing around cloud for the last, you know, seven years. And we've learned little by little through experience working with customers and partners and so forth.
0: Oh, very good. So, uh, well, everybody knows what Mark does. He just talks about security and... Uh, code and, and stuff. And <laughs> stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask the, 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 the first question here, which is mostly the obvious one. But what is cloud? Mm. And I have opinions, but... Oh, yeah. Uh, Probably <laughs> but wrong, though. Yeah, yeah, as always. <laughs> Well, that's why, so that's why you're... So what is, what is cloud?
1: So for me, cloud is actually the um, combination um, of both business and technical architectures and processes. Yeah? So we actually bring together the two worlds of business and technology. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that in various ways. So one way would be um, the concept of self-service, where um, you know, a, a user um, or the end user would log into a service catalog with uh, credentials. Um, and they will have a certain entitlement to order certain services through that service catalog. Yeah. So, let
0: me, let me just take that back a step. Yep. Now, so if I was, I, if I'm a customer, yeah, or I, I, made business and I'm, wanted to. I don't know. For example, is it email or
1: what are my? It I could cons- be. It could be anything. So, um, you know, Cisco made an acquisition of a company called NewScale a number of years ago, um, based on the work that we did with. Uh, cable Wireless Worldwide, we have them build their flexible computing platform now with Vodafone, but also the work that NewScale we're doing with Cisco IT. And we can use, that's now something called Prime Service Catalog as a product. And that is, is for, for us in our business, it's enabling uh, individual users, you know, Cisco employees, um, to be able to order anything from the workplace resources. So that could be ordering a new mobile phone, IP telephony, uh, home router, so it's a Cisco Virtual Office equipment, for example, uh, or even you know, ordering an app for your uh, iPhone or Android phone, for example. Um, so you can do the workplace resources. You can also do you know, what we more traditionally see as some more data center type uh, app, you know, services, so some infrastructure. So it could be, for example, a virtual machine, um, but it could also be an application or database, for example. So, um, all the way through to what we call virtual data centers. So, literally, you know, the click of a button through orchestration automation um, being triggered through that order, we can enable uh, the, the deployment of a virtual data center.
0: So, would that mean, from a customer perspective, that I can just do I host and run this myself? Or is this something do I buy this catalog right. service from
1: somebody else? Yeah,
0: yeah. What
1: what what's the or is it both? So um, it, it it could be one or the other, or it could be both. So any of the above, okay, really. all right. Okay. Um, so, but generally, I think you know the the easiest way to describe it is you know I think a lot of uh, internal IT departments are you know are changing from just being pure service providers of IT to service brokers of IT. So that's a blending of internal capabilities with external cloud so, services.
0: So, if I was a business, if I'm I, I'm running a business, and inside my business I need some, I don't know, um, maybe oh, I'm trying to think of something now off the top of my head. It's not working very well. <laughs> but I, I'm running a what kind of service? What one example? Well, Salesforce.com would be a classic okay, yeah, example. Yeah. So yeah, Salesforce. Right. So I need yeah. a, and there are other uh, uh, cloud-based uh, sales. Sales online tools we're yeah. <laughs> just trying to trying to keep it balanced well so yeah. like the BBC, well, the BBC. Yeah. yeah other
2: television channels are available yeah and, uh, yeah.
0: and um, so if I was going to go buy a a, a sales uh, or customer relationship yeah. management tool yeah. um, I could then go uh, can I look at that I would say, this is something I need, and I would then go to IT saying, I need this, and then IT would go, do you know what, is this something we can do ourselves, or actually, we can get this and act as that broken, so it's, and go in and ask and engage with this part. The idea of something like that
1: would be, you know, you're trying to consume the core value of the product, Yeah. yeah, or service. And in, in, this, in the case of a customer relationship management, mm-hmm. it is literally access to the, in, the, the, yeah. the data organization, yeah. if you wish, right? Yeah. Maybe Tableau or hierarchical, scalar form, whatever that database is. Um, mm-hmm. That's the core value, right? And it's extracting uh, intelligence out of that data quickly and easily through queries. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not about managing the infrastructure underneath yeah. it, uh, day to day, etc. Mm-hmm. You, That's completely abstracted. And that's something that c- Cloud can deliver through automation uh, capabilities. Okay, so something like a an example of a Office
0: three six five, because um, mm-hmm. we talked to a lot. So we have a yeah, Google Apps, yeah. and there are other yeah. online. Software. <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to throw that one out the window. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I was gonna go for an Office three six five, is that is that a cloud service? Is that a catalog
1: orchestrated yes. type service? Yeah, absolutely. So that's. So- that would be described as software as a service. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So um, you know you can go to the Microsoft 365 you know, cloud, and you would log in as I described. You know through a graphical user interface to, to consume that service. Uh, I think the important thing is at this point that a service catalog or a service doesn't necessarily have to be exposed through a graphical user interface. Mm-hmm. It can also be done through an application programming interface or API. That's okay. important. So yeah. a cloud service, you can consume through that, as I say, through a graphical user interface, that's human to machine, or an API, which is more machine to machine.
0: All right, okay, so that would be a, an application in your business, or an application that you're using inside your business. Yes. Speaking to, saying, I need more. So, okay, we use this example when we were prepping, and we do do prep, listeners. Um, it might not sound like it. <laughs> uh, when we were prepping for this, we were talking about, for an example, a retail ex- example mm-hmm. where you could say an online, uh, a retailer with an online presence would then ha- say, right, come December time when, or November time when it's getting really busy and everyone's preparing for sure. Christmas, mm-hmm. that they will go, actually the application, the online shopping yep. application would then go, I need more capacity and then go and broker, so an application broke into a cloud service to give them more capacity, As in when they need it. Is that a right way
1: of putting it? Yes, pretty much. I mean, that's what we call service elasticity. Mm -hmm. The ability to grow or shrink. According to, to But that buttons.
0: communication, is that is the fine. API stuff that, that we've talked about? Yes,
1: absolutely. Right, okay, true so true that was just. Me, yeah, absolutely. I, I just it's wanted to get the API yeah. bit in my head of what you meant by yeah. So
0: instead of it being a um, sort of more of a manual process of IT department, go, oh, look at it, we can see that our, our yeah. application is getting to, our online application yeah. is getting to 80%, 70% capacity, we need to get more capacity or the website's going to stop. Um, they would then go off and manually go into a GUI and get more demand, but actually automating that process so where the right. application is. So a, the yeah.
1: term you sometimes use is, yeah. is codification of workflow. Wow. Crikey. Right? That's so why we brought okay, yeah, it yeah, big, so big, fancy so words. For, what it means is go from manual to digital, yeah. you know, based yeah, yeah, yeah. workflow, um, where, you, you know, that workflow will string together a set of tasks, mm-hmm. and those tasks are basically scripts or whatever mm-hmm. running to, to enable the automation or uh, you know, mm-hmm. provisioning or monitoring of a particular service. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. So a couple of things, uh, uh, I've got a lot of questions going off in my head today. So we've talked a bit about uh, Office 365, but if I was a business, do I can I just consume everything from the cloud that I need from an IT infrastructure? So for example... I know things you talk about as business, okay, I need computers, but I, well, I need email, I could have my web, web page, database, your web my, visit, yeah. my my yeah. Uh, HR management system, my, I mean, even telephony. Yeah.
1: Um, it's very much dependent on, on context, the needs of the particular enterprise, right? Yeah. Um, however, I'd say, you know, for smaller companies, potentially you could just consume anything as SaaS services into your business. I think medium-large- um, So that's uh, software as a service. Software as a service, okay. yeah. Um, Medium large businesses um, um, would possibly have their own software solutions, and this is really about differentiation within their own markets, and particularly with the, the advent of what we call digitization, Right, a digital okay. digitization itself, it's a wide spectrum of capability, if you wish, or impact um, from just you know making workflow manual to digital workflow, as yeah. I described earlier. It's called simple use case. You know, one book automation. Sometimes it's known as all the way through to, you know, you're completely transforming a way a market vertical works, such as, I don't know, Uber is yeah, a classic example yeah. of the taxi service Yeah, business, and right? there are the online taxi businesses. And there well. are the other, I think so, <but there's>, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, we give the but I don't want to get bang on about digitisation, because I think, you know, enough said about digitisation, but, you know, cloud, I think, you know, the technologies, you know, the self-service, the automation, the orchestration capabilities, um, the brokerage capabilities, um, are all very much, uh, very, or very relevant to you know digitisation of businesses and their, yeah. j- and their journey through yeah. to a fully digital business. Yeah,
2: and in, and I'm certainly in the in the conversations I have with clients, I think a, a lot of them are still in that first stage generation of just consuming some yeah. off the shelf cloud apps. Um, whether that is moving to towards Google Apps yeah. and reducing the on site presence of email and groupware.
1: Yeah. And, and I think and I think I need to make a, the important part here is that you know yes you do have these. Um, Sort of hyperscale, megascale—you know—providers, you know, Google, Microsoft, Azure—that is, uh, Amazon Web yeah. Services—and um, you know—and uh, Salesforce.com. You know, these these are the big players out there um, in cloud infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, you know, to lift and shift your applications into the cloud from your existing data center is a really quite a complex yeah. task. Yeah. So that's and something it, we could talk about later, but, yeah. Yeah.
0: but that's that that's the process of for example, like I I am big enough to have my own IT department, yeah. I'm big enough to have my own de- my own yeah. applications so I'm running right. myself. Yeah. And then that migration yeah. over to I could yeah. move to cloud. Sure. So I know we're gonna talk that's part of it part of our, our plan to talk about that later on in the conversation. The thing you've you talked a couple of things there. you we've mentioned software as a service already. Yes. And then we've talked about and the one thing you mentioned there very briefly was Infrastructure as a service right. and platform as a service and a platform and you said platform as a service. As well. do you want to? Can you describe them for me? And what, that, what does that mean?
1: So let's sort of, you know, if you like start from the bottom up. So let's start with infrastructure as a service. Infrastructure as a service is basically um, bringing together storage, compute, uh, networking, maybe throw in security. Yeah, um, and you automate the delivery of of those elements. Bring bring those things together to form the fundamental logical infrastructure, if you wish, for you know, an application to run on top of.
0: So, if you, so, for example, if you say, um, I've got this application, it's maybe a business application that you've maybe written and run yeah. your, you'll run yourself in an organisation, and say, do you know what, instead of me building a server environment yeah. and all the compute and the storage and all the networking stuff to go with it, do you know what, I'm going to consume that from... A cloud provider that will provide me with the infrastructure for that application to run on
1: yeah so I would yes as a customer I would connect to a service catalog Mm -hmm. either via an API Mm -hmm. or GUI as we described earlier and behind that catalog so when I order a service item it could be some sort of infrastructure service service item um, that will trigger off an information event yeah and that will then itself that information will then trigger a particular workflow Yeah, automation workflow, automation Mm -hmm. workflows, in order to build all the uh, business and technical services um, related to that request. So
0: if I was going to think about this, I'm looking at Mark now Mm because to make sure that I'm I'm (laughs) not being too layman. But for example, going back to my example, I'm in business. I've got this in-house application. I then go onto a website. Yes. onto a GUI. Mm -hmm. I then go, I need X amount of resource. Yeah. And they, and they basically, in the back end, yeah. all this automation, yeah. orchestration stuff, which yeah. basically means they'll go off and do it themselves. Yes. And, right. yeah, yeah. and it'll
2: be probably zero touch on the point of view of the cloud provider, I guess, typically, in the sense yeah. of there's no human interaction, yeah. it's just spun up, it's just created yeah. on the fly.
1: And you know I think the other important thing to say is that when, when this initially started seven, eight, seven years ago, whatever the, it was all about the virtual machine, yeah, you know, spinning up a virtual machine. Yeah. Yeah. Have, um, that has moved on a lot now. We've got much more um, complex logical design patterns that can be deployed today, but also it's virtual and physical can be done and automated. So, you know, some you know databases etc. require physical machines to run, on, yeah. not just a virtual machine. So, yeah. so, so, so
0: just to get that because yep. a bit in my head because I was going to the, the value to the customer yeah. or what one, one maybe one value to the customer because I'm sure there's plenty of them that you can pick me up on is the customer. Uh, if, with this automated service would instead of it if this is replacing me as a customer having a server or a lots and lots of servers running me running, managing yeah. all that
2: cabling, operating, challenges and all
0: the maybe the pain in the arse stuff that could come with it. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: That,
1: so that's what we're replacing isn't it? Is that uh-huh. a correct statement? Yeah, pretty much. It, it's, it's both the provisioning cycle and what most people always tend to avoid is the service assurance side yeah. of that. Yeah. So you're provisioning absolutely the service, mm-hmm. you know, through automation. But you also need to stand up the service assurance components that do all the monitoring, mm-hmm. interpretation of that data, yeah, you know, to service level agreements, etc. Who owns that service level okay, agreements? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's that's a fundamental part of cloud services is give visibility to the end user as well of what's going on with the services they've ordered. Yeah. Okay, so that, that, that
0: just making sure I got it again yeah. is so. This is taking all this, all the challenges away of actually owning infrastructure, owning servers. I don't have to do that now. Automatically creating the, the 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 memory, the compute, the the storage, and everything that I don't have to own and run anymore. And then also providing me with the because of the, it's been measured and automated, and yeah. I then get a service. I can get a, a service level agreement from that provider, to, so that they will guarantee that this is the service that I'm going to get. Yeah. I, it's going to be a good enough? It's not good enough. It's going to be a great service, so I can run I mean, my business mind. on it.
1: So I think the important thing here is not necessarily frame it in terms of ownership or who owns legal title yeah. to the underlying infrastructure that's, that's that can come in various different flavors, right? So yeah. you know, it's financing, whatever. Um, it's more about turning product into service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So turning that compute, that you know, network, yeah. that into a service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, delivered through mostly yeah. through automation. In fact, in the early days, you know, when we were doing cloud builds we would combine both um, digital workflow and manual workflow together because we didn't necessarily have, you know, the ability to talk to certain boxes, whatever, um, you know, through APIs that we may do today, right? All the maturity wasn't there in terms of um, to deliver a particular use case. So you can actually combine the two, yeah? Okay.
2: And you can also, so one of the things we, we, you know, that that you often hear a lot of people talking about is different cloud models because, again, I think to so the layman cloud is often something I give to somebody else but of course I could have a private cloud or I could have a hybrid yes, approach right exactly. yeah so there's different yep. different pros and cons yep. for that I mean what would drive a particular choice of those what are the sorts of examples? on yes yeah, so,
1: so I think that's um, a really interesting question um, and for me you know we're, we're looking at some um, you know do I deploy my workloads uh, really it's about the data yeah if we really get down to it um, and securing that data And, you know, you have a whole range of um, market verticals uh, from government to pharmaceutical to, you know, military, whatever it may be. Um, uh, Or banking would be another good example where they're very highly regulated industries. Um, And so for various reasons, they may need to be able to implement a private cloud within their own data center, effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could be a managed private cloud or it could be one they build and operate themselves. Um, in order to be able to implement specific um, policy controls, etc., uh, in a manual or automated way, they have to meet regulatory demands. Okay. That's really yeah. important because you know if they if someone shifts the, the data from the private cloud and to a public cloud, yes, you have availability zones and public clouds. You more or less know geographically where that might be. Mm-hmm. But um, you may be breaching, you know, local uh, you know, laws you know, regarding those regulations, etc., yeah. And also things like, you know, even taxation regimes you have to think about as well. So you would see some of the large players, cloud, public cloud players, you know, retired to Ireland first, right? Because yeah. they've got the taxation advantages you know, of, of actually executing the yeah. transaction in country. So there's lots of um, reasons what, what, where you replace um, and when you replace a workload?
0: Because obviously there's there's a couple of things we bump into in in public sector, isn't it? Is that obviously they would say well where's my yeah, date? Reside? sovereignty is a yeah. big big sovereignty. Question. So where is that date being kept? If it's being kept yes. abroad,
2: um, if it's being kept in Europe, in Europe at the moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not mention that word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the second podcast we've done now. Yeah. Which we're we're, we're, we're uh, talking yeah. about yeah. that. to yeah. avoid yeah. Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, trying to
0: avoid Brexit. Um, but but the um, I've lost, my trail, I've lost my point now I've lost my point must not we, a really good question. It, no it must have been um, yeah so having having something that uh, knowing where your data resides is, yeah. is important I'm not sure and it is, yeah, yeah and because there are certain like you are saying. so just to summarise then so just there are certain industries mm. public sector yeah. private sector that will need to be able to say they have to have a huge amount of control yeah. on that data think, just sticking the, it in the, the cloud
1: think of them as business constraints yeah. and not just technical constraints mm. Mm. No. And, you know, um, so, you know, a combination of those business technical constraints would be in the area of business continuity, as an example. So I may have an existing application that I want to put onto a cloud, right? We call this cloud enabling, if you like, Mm -hmm. an existing application. Now, that application wasn't necessarily built, you know, to run in the cloud, necessarily, in a native way. Um, So so just on that point, though,
0: but what, what... the different, you mean, difference then in, in mm-hmm. from being something that's been yeah, designed like an application that's yeah. native to yeah. to run native compared to running in the cloud. What do you have to do? What would you have to do to an application?
1: So, um, so we we talk a lot about um, you know the ability to scale out if you wish mm-hmm. a cloud application. So, and then we then we throw in words like you know microservice, uh, um, microservices example, mm-hmm. you know, as, as you know as a way that we are breaking down. Applications from the monolithic architecture we had before, Mm -hmm. right? Let's keep that simple, okay? So, you know, a lot of applications that we've um, built in the past are what we call monolithic applications, Mm -hmm. that was rely upon the underlying infrastructure, you know, to provide it with resiliency, if you wish, okay? So that's why we tend to build networks with A B paths, all this Mm -hmm. kind of thing for resilience, Um, and you typically would have uh, sort of a uh, master slave, you know. Kind of relationship for high availability as well. So if both your master and slave are in one location in a cloud and that whole location goes down, then you've lost your service. Mm -hmm. So that's why some of the public cloud services have availability zones. So you can put master in one and slave in the other if you like. So then comes along this whole concept of um, breaking down those monolithic applications. So if you think of a monolithic application as a, a square, and then we draw some, you know, lots of lines, uh, vertical and horizontal lines. So we break that big square to lots of smaller squares. Mm-hmm. And each of those smaller squares represents a function of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of that app. And so let's take iOS, Cisco iOS, as an example mm-hmm. of a, you know, modern, so well, was a monolithic application, yeah, yeah. but it's now more uh, distributed. But the idea is that you know one of those functions would be OSPF, that would be BGP, etc., etc. And what we're doing, and what's happening now, is that we're for well, certain um, applications, we can actually break down the original large monolithic application into those smaller squares, so those functional blocks, and run them as individual services um, and distribute them yeah, across many different um, uh, compute nodes. Yeah? And they all they have uh, discovery uh, mechanisms, etc., to be able to talk to each other. So what this means is that if I need to scale out a service, I just add more instances of that function yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in an automated way. Um, or, or reduce the amount of instances if I'm scaling back.
0: Okay, so it, it, so I've got that then. So where I would look at a, and I'm gonna use another you know that's compared to Cisco, so if I was looking at something like um, um, a wireless LAN controller software, and that generally has a, I got a primary and a secondary, that is software that, and then now, we're talking about taking that and the resilience isn't
2: about primary and secondary; it's just viewed dis-
0: in that compute or yeah. that that application around lots of different. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and fragmenting oh. it down into much smaller services, so, so you yeah. haven't got this big monolithic piece of code yeah. that yeah. does. So instead
0: of having like one application running on one server, then yeah. another server I'm with ba- acting as the yeah. backup, waiting for that primary server mm-hmm. to fail, you now go up, chop it up into little bits bit, into its functions and spread it into the cloud. Yeah.
2: And that would be cloud. That would be a definition of a cloud native app ultimately. Yeah, and, oh, right. and so it helps, the you know,
1: This this model also helps with the development side as well in yeah, terms of, of speed of development. Because in the past you'd have to build a you know with a monolithic application you build a new function or enhance a function, and you have to do what we call regression testing with all the yeah, other functions. Yeah. yeah. So and that would be a nightmare because there would be so many permutations of how you would configure that monolithic application yeah. that you can't necessarily capture always every single use case and mm-hmm. the problems that might come across. Microservices, you kind of isolates that per function, you know, from each other. So you've got more greater resilience there. But I think the key thing with microservices, from a development standpoint, is say you had a yeah. <clears throat> web, middle, you know, middleware and database tiers of an application, for example. Mm-hmm. With microservices, for each of those tiers, I can actually probably build. Um, a, 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 each of those with um, different languages, with different uh, language binding frameworks mm-hmm. that have different nuances in terms of capability. Mm-hmm. So I can optimize my middleware by building it out of a particular language mm-hmm. versus the web service versus the database. Mm-hmm. So it actually gives it a lot more flexibility and choice to develop um, application developers, mm-hmm. to choose the right um, tools, if you wish, to optimize that particular part of the service. Mm-hmm. All right, okay.
0: So. If I've understood that, then is that because you have that micro segmentation, you can then use the right tool for the right job to actually when you're developing that micro application. Services, yeah. Yeah, microservices, sorry, yeah. and those. So I was thinking yeah, something no, else. No, out, no, yeah, I the same track yeah. And so those microservices, then I can say, as a developer, I can use the right set of tools to develop That's part of the app. Yeah. Instead of having to do everything with, some, with, one, everything language. with one, one language, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think I've got that. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 sort of got it. Yeah, okay. Cool. It's like it's like saying, well, let's build, you know, a shed, a garden. Um, and I'd say, well, here's the one tool you have. Here's a hammer. Good luck. Yeah. You know, actually, you probably need a screwdriver. You know, yeah, a yeah. saw would be useful. Yeah. But the same process that, but
0: in the world of app developers, app developers use different tools for what function they're trying to develop yeah, the application yeah. for. Yeah. And what and the, and, the, and the whole application or the whole service, begins to come to the application level. service that you're delivering will yeah. be made up of lots of different
1: microservices. Yeah. And let's and just say, you know, for all the benefits of that, there's some downsides, right? Because okay. now you're dealing with a much more scaled-out, yeah. um, many more instances of a service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to manage the lifecycle of. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? So that's why we need, you know, automation tools in order to enable, yeah. to yeah. to enable that function, if you will. Okay. Still,
2: yeah. So, so you said that you've been involved in cloud for seven years or so. Something like that, mm-hmm. um, And I know that it's a pretty rapidly changing area as it begins to evolve, people kind of get, people get a, <laughs> uh, a headache, yeah, 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 and people are getting an idea of, I guess, the power of this automation, the orchestration, the segmentation of, of sure. microservice, uh, microservices, yep. what does the future look like? Where you know where, where does this kind of take a, an enterprise um, over the next yeah. three five years? Because there must be some pretty interesting. So things let's that.
1: let's start you with know, where they're starting now and yeah. you know where. So um, first, I think you have to identify for an enterprise whether they're what we would call cloud first, yeah, or if they're cloud all in, mm-hmm. or maybe they're private first as, okay. as a strategy. Right. You know? And mm-hmm. that may depend upon the market vertical they're in, etc. or the regulatory piece we talked about. Um, so cloud first tends to mean um any net new applications that are building out yeah through micro segmentation so microservices sorry microservices and uh you know um they would be net new uh services that are cloud native by their nature they could be elastic Mm -hmm, mm etc etc highly available themselves Mm um and they are perfectly good to be put into the cloud Mm -hmm. so it's a cloud first strategy Mm -hmm. What you do with the rest of your IT existing IT infrastructure is about optimization. Yeah, it's about running it more efficiently if you can. Yeah, or cloud enabling the rest mm-hmm. of the infrastructure. Okay, cloud all in is exactly what it says. It says basically my long-term strategy is everything goes into the cloud. How fast and rapidly I get there obviously requires you know different levels of investments. Mm-hmm. But it's basically the whole company goes into you know public cloud or um, mainly public cloud. Cloud all in. So we can have this, and, and private cloud obviously, as I say, is, is something internal within your own facilities normally. Yeah, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can manage uh, the, the the policies, not just um, digital, you know, but also physical policies, mm-hmm. security policies, as an example. So you have to decide where you're going. And, you know, Cisco um, account teams, etc., have a, um, a framework to to help evaluate some of this for you, and we call this fast IT, and we can actually start looking at. What the business objectives are. Look at the business operations uh, through a series of stakeholder interviews. Look at the IT operations. Bring these together. Build a roadmap called technology roadmap uh, radar. Well, it's technology and business radar if you wish to combine the two. Um, so you can have a clear um, um, step-by-step um, roadmap if you wish in terms of maturity of the IT organization to encompass cloud so it's
0: giving you a way of understanding where your business is now and what
1: your how you get to cloud yeah absolutely yeah so it'll go through you know and we have a whole bunch of capabilities around you know application dependency mapping application transport mapping being able to then define sort of move groups, application move group groups, so all the all the identification and migration of the services into a cloud, right? So, so on cloud onboarding services. Okay, so,
0: but this is a co- so what we're looking at there is is customers <coughs> who are, already have a data center infrastructure. Yeah. they at the moment they're running everything themselves. themselves. They're developing their apps themselves. They're, they're managing some, of, some of their apps. Some of their apps yeah. themselves. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then but running them in on their own. Some, some of them on
1: their private cloud, some in the public cloud, etc. Yeah, yeah. and they could okay. be brokering. So you have a single interface to the customer via an API, GUI, the service yeah. catalog, right? And that behind that, you have a brokerage capability that allows you to consume services from public clouds mm-hmm. and private clouds uh, through one single pane of glass. So, what does, so
0: that's interesting, because the one thing that's going through my mind is what kind of people do businesses need in, say, I don't know, five, ten <laughs> years' time now? Yeah. So if I, if if we basically say and you mean cloud is cloudier,
1: it's not going anywhere. People are gonna.
2: Justin's looking for some career advice, Greg. I yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm gonna get a job in cloud. Don't get
1: don't me started on analytics because uh, <laughs> start scaring myself. So, but how do, do you mean? What does the kind of people do? do people
0: need to think, uh, customers need to think about now? Of what kind of people do, am I going to be able to? Am I going to need what kind of skills do I need to have? Yeah. to be able to get me to cloud. Yeah. Is it just something I'm just going to say right I just get rid of, I've got to get rid of the whole team or is that team it kind of feels like it's very
2: very driven, driven more towards application development and coding. you know that, that there seems to be an emerging or an increasing need for that skill set as well
1: certainly yeah. I mean yeah. you know, it depends who you ask the question <laughs> yeah you know? so you know I've been on um, on various you know panels whatever and um, people say oh well you you need exactly those skills sure. you, know, the, you know developer skills yeah. etc um, and that's true, right? So I think, you know, your typical networking uh, CLI job people will have to have more programming skills, maybe Python, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and more so, you know, Java, etc as well, I think, you know, yeah. going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't forget, you know, net, I mean dot net's pretty powerful, you know, out yeah. there, Microsoft. I mean if you look at the we have we, you asked me earlier about, uh, you know, infrastructure service, platform as a service, software as a service, we didn't get to platform as a service, no. right? <laughs> So platform as a service it basically provides um, all the software tools, if you like, to um, build code and manage the code pipeline. Yeah, mm-hmm. In other words, do uh, automation uh, of uh, testing, validation of the code you built and integration to other applications you've already built mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. before you take it into production. So PaaS provides you that capability, as well as being able to deploy yeah, that, that code as an application onto infrastructure in an automated way. So much to this um, effect that, you know, Amazon and others today offer what they call serverless frameworks. So we're moving towards a world where we call no-ops. So essentially, a developer creates some code, and with that code, they have some metadata, which is a small file that describes the infrastructure they need to run that application, if you like, Mm. and they just throw that at an API, and the API consumes that data. and says, okay, I'll automatically provision The infrastructure you need to run that code for however long, for how many cycles, whatever, Mm -hmm. yeah, and then you'll just get charged on on, for that usage, Mm -hmm. nothing more. So that's that's the direction we're heading, and that's the the sort of um, solution that Cisco is working, but more for the private cloud world, Mm -hmm. the hybrid cloud. So how we can combine PaaS with underlying infrastructure, infrastructure as a service together, if you like, through programmable um, APIs. Mm -hmm. So because we've got programmable hardware, we can actually do uh, some pretty smart stuff and really optimize the environment uh, for our customers. Mm. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, so as, you know, as I say, it's um, an interesting area. If you look at the, you know, who are the biggest players in that market stay in the public space, Salesforce.com tends to be number one, Amazon number two, Microsoft number three. So, you know, there is a huge demand on that. But the reality is there's never going to be enough developers out there. Mm. So it's all about leveraging for scale. Yeah, How can I can benefit from others? Mm-hmm. And that's really why you've had the um, advent of open source communities. Yeah. I mean, there's business reasons, but there's also practical reasons. It's like, well, if you have a community of people building software, and anyone can use that software, that means I don't have to have you know thousands mm-hmm. of developers. Mm-hmm. I can, I'm effectively just borrowing developers mm-hmm. from elsewhere mm-hmm. as well. Okay. there's a sort of valid you know, yeah. reason for that. So you talked about
0: things from the next five years, and you have mentioned briefly sort of the skills that people need, and we need to get a bit more coding, yeah. which is scary for listeners. But me it's, it's not that
1: as well. I think it's also understanding um, automation, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, orchestration services, understanding the, the um, relationship between business and technical architecture. So mm-hmm. what, what I'm, really really I'm gonna I'm going to take yeah. you back a bit
0: because it's easy to throw things out there. And but what do you mean by understanding automation and orchestration? What, what does a customer need to Understand. what can they actually
1: get from it I think yeah, it's okay. understanding it's its limitations like with any technology okay. what is it actually, what are you buying yeah? what value is it delivering to you in this organisation and that may vary depending on your use cases Yeah, not all use cases necessarily are supported by mm-hmm. automation no? yeah. I'm struggling to find think of one but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, know, <laughs> uh, but you
0: can't just assume that yeah? so, so in the so, automation's perspective what do you mean in the sense of something can very quickly the service that I'm buying from a cloud provider yeah. can very quickly sp- spin up that service. I, I, I'm trying so, to... Yeah, so say so, yeah. so,
1: automation, that's automation there that sits on top of the infrastructure. So you tend to have, like, domain managers for compute uh, storage. I'm trying to take this
0: back to what the actual yeah. customer's getting. Oh, okay. So in, from an automation perspective, you yeah. so, when we buy a car, there's a lot of jargon in it. At the moment, in the old days, it's like, I want a car, it's got this bigger engine, it's got four wheels, and a mm-hmm. steering wheel, and it gets me from A to B as quick as I can. Now, it's a lot of it's it's, it's very changed. It's very, A lot of it is, I wouldn't say it's automated, but, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to get it to the sense that a customer goes, when I'm buying a service and a customer talks about, oh sorry, the provider says, automation in there, or ha- talks about automation in that service. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to the customer?
1: Um, so I think, you know, there's a change of relationship in, in general in, that's happening for um, consumers where we're moving from p- perpetuity to annuity based services right? mm-hmm. so rather than just buying the car and that's pretty much the relationship ended mm-hmm. potentially with the yeah. uh, manufacturing car um, the idea is that the car manufacturer can uh, connect that car back to the, the manufacturer and, all, and, and provide additional services over the lifetime of the ownership of that vehicle yeah. and because of um, digitization of the vehicle itself, in other words, we're connecting different components of the mm-hmm. vehicle, you know, um, sensors and sensors, actuators, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. um, to the computer of the car, mm-hmm. and we're connecting that computer re- remotely to back end mm-hmm. services at the manufacturer, we can actually optimize that car over time through the use of software. So, what, what will happen is that we'll subscribe to the manufacturers. Um, you know quite how the model will play out in terms of mm-hmm. the upfront costs versus subscription costs and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I think that's how we move forward. That's what Tesla does as an example. Yeah. Um I think that will change more and more until we get to fully a- autonomous vehicles and we don't own a vehicle anymore. Well we talked about it, that podcast yeah, we did
0: time. with yeah and then fully enough the week afterwards yeah. somebody there was an accident.
2: There was, yeah. But I guess also this, the other side of that and this to an extent, touches a little bit on al- analytics or di- certainly digitization, which yes. is that all of that data that's coming from that car, using continuing the car analogy, allows the manufacturer to also offer customised services Correct. based on journey times or it's, journey it's directions. just having or a personalised
1: relationship, yeah, is with yeah, the yeah, yeah. customer? Because you, you,
0: you talked about that. I mean, I think that's more leading on to a benefit. And when we talked about, you mean a bit about automation piece, but also about the analytics bit, and yeah. you, you, you talked about an example earlier on uh, around with the analytics
1: yeah so I think um, let's let's put this in context you know you asked me the question earlier what does uh, an enterprise look like you know five years mm-hmm. time and I said well it depends yeah uh, but if we just said you know a medium to large enterprise you, you're probably looking at you know yes you know, so some, some one term the customer used recently is internetless organization mm. right so the ability for um, consumers of data you know the employees partners customers to be able to uh, effectively connect to a borderless um, enterprise, um, but through um, what they call policy g- gatekeepers, etc., um, and uh, be able to connect to extranet partners very quickly and efficiently. So effectively, what we have is um, you know ubiquitous bandwidth into you know different office space, etc., through Wi-Fi, Li-Fi, etc., but the intelligence is, is we have a soft coupling between the intelligence that runs, um, shapes the network. Versus the sort of harder coupling that we have today. What I mean by that is the underlying transport could be relatively dumb, mm-hmm. but the uh, ap- and, and analytics capabilities or applications on top give enhanced view compared to what we have today. So we're looking at, you know, we do sort of basic pattern matching today, analysis type monitoring, i.e., what's happened, yeah, you know, to more predictive uh, going forward. So, you know, there's a 90% chance XYZ it will happen. To preemptive, So where we actually close the whole lifecycle management loop, if you like, where we say, right, well, you know, we predict that there's a 95% of A happening and, you know, we will then therefore take some mitigation actions immediately, i.e. push policy into um, the network via whatever controls or policy enforcement points to order, in order to mitigate that uh, risk. If you wish. And that could yeah. be a security it uh, could be security, yeah, okay. quality of service, yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so, I think so. So, analytics itself is is a broad spectrum. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know, as I said, you know, there's a lot of pattern matching. So you remember optical character recognition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be an example. You OCR. Meant, do you remember doing OCR yeah, you scanning? You no. That? No. No. no, no, no. You never put a
2: document on and it tried to interpret the. The words it scanned it and then tried to put it in like a word format or something no, like that.
0: No, never done that. I did it with uh, audio. As you oh, mentioned. okay,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah,
0: that
1: same kind of thing. But op, you know, yeah, so, so you, you, you scan in a document that was handwritten mm-hmm. and the computer will then try to do pattern matching, which is, yeah, um, and you know a lot of the time it didn't work. It was pretty rubbish. rubbish. <laughs> pretty rubbish. Um, so then there comes along the next level which um, is really big today, which is machine learning. Which is taking lots and lots of sources of data, i.e., big data, yeah, to improve the output of you know, of an algorithm running on that big data. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're effectively training you know, the system based on more and more data, um, and that's used today in our collaborative-based systems for information mining, things like that, uh, collaboration tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also used in our security tools. As you know, I'm looking at Mark there. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, yeah, so, so you know uh, through our security services, and then the, then you have the next level, which is you know uh, it's essentially deep learning. And deep learning takes what we had before machine learning, but adds you know what we call deep neural networks. And this is the ability to slice up you know a, a problem like viewing an image, yeah? uh, in, in from uh, and abstract that in different ways, it you know, with different perspectives. So if I'm looking at an image of a car. You know, one 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 algorithm may be working on you know uh, the curvature of the car. Next level down be panels. Next level down be uh, uh, corners, etc. So what we're doing is um, actually getting more and more data, going through this deep neural network, multiple layers of analysis, if you like, to train the data model itself to improve the data model. So over time, with more and more data coming through the system, we change the model itself, Mm -hmm. Mm you know, to be more optimized and getting more accurate results. So
0: you mentioned an example earlier on around oncology.
1: Yeah, so the oncology example, was a TED broadcast I've watched, um, and I thought it was fascinating. The way, um, uh, so oncology, you know, cancer, um, looking at, um, you have an oncologist, a medical doctor, you know, if you, if you take an example then them, they would be looking at slides, cell slides, you know, um, you know through a microscope to see if we'll tell, look for telltale signs of cancer-based cells, mm. you yeah? know. Um, and then they started using machine learning um, to do this automatically, looking at the cells. Um, I can't remember what they call them. Um, slides, yeah, yeah, cell slides, yeah. if you like. Yeah. Um, and they did this automatically with a machine, and the machine actually proved to be much more accurate in terms of determining existing known patterns you know, or de- identifying those existing known patterns than the human oncologist. But not only that, because it was machine learning, it was train- Data was training it. It's discovered new um, uh, indicators for potential uh, cancerous cells as well. So it, become, it actually became progressively better at the job and much quicker through this feedback loop than the human operators, which we may get it in the future, but because you don't have that fast feedback loop, it will take much longer for them to discover and those, those, those new, new indicators. Yeah,
0: and so that the real value of it there is that you got access to huge amounts of resource mm-hmm. compute resource uh, data and, and data, data and yeah. data this that's feeding into yeah. that compute resource yeah. which something that a an organization maybe would never be able to build run mm-hmm. administer mm-hmm. all the things that you talk mm-hmm. about we just too, too big to do but being, getting that from a cloud service you're yeah. able to feed that thing, right you've got an expandable amount of resource yeah. i can, as long as i've got m- as much data as i can throw at it yes. i'm going to get Better results than what somebody sitting down and looking at a slide at a time course. and yeah. trying to. And but you, you
1: could apply this to any sort of information management job, mm-hmm. which is the mainstay of the middle class globally today. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Sorry, so we, yeah. we're yeah. getting rid of the middle classes now. Yeah, pretty much. You know, yeah. you're lower class okay. now. Uh, we all are. And um, you know, I'm from Wales. <laughs> we know where we stand. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, I was going to give an example of deep learning, and we already have that, right? we spatial analytics in Cisco. So let me give. So for the Australian Tennis Open mm-hmm. um, recently, what we did was to hook up our wireless LAN infrastructure, mm-hmm. yeah, and our wireless LAN controllers but also hook up our IP tele, um, TV surveillance, television, uh, and controllers, and that bring all that data, the wireless light coming from big people's uh, mobile phones, mm-hmm. but also um, the video of, you know, so we can actually uh, pick out headcounts, et cetera, movements of crowds, etc., and combine those two data sets to get a very informative um, uh, picture of cl- clou- and crowd's movements, et cetera, and football, mm-hmm. and all this sort of business, um, and we, at the back end, we're using, you know, um, GPUs, Graphical mm-hmm. Processing Units, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in our Cisco UCS solution. Could be any servers, other servers available. Um, but x six compute, and GPUs is all about power processing. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need, and a special language as well that goes on it. But we can take all that, that data, do immense amounts of power processing, and make meaningful sense of, of all the crowd interactions, etc., that's going on outside, it's because we're combining different sets of data. Mm-hmm. yeah and this is really powerful, particularly you, I, I understand you had a program about smart cities or whatever yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. and you can use this kind of intelligence for city planning and stuff as well because mm-hmm. now you can see you know time day movements of, uh, uh, yeah. of crowds etc yeah, yeah. and design the landscape to, to best you know, uh, manage that traffic. Oh wow That's kind really it blo-
2: g- kind of blows your mind because there's some really it, it just opens the door to some really quite powerful. And, and potentially scary um, mm. after having spent the last few months watching uh, a US program called Person of Interest, which is all about uh, AI and what yeah. you know, yeah. feeding in cameras and predicting a uh, 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 malicious activity from individuals based upon sure. observed behavior. So, coming back to your oh, deep learning, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, it, ab- it picks all these different up, looks at telephone intercepts and all that kind of stuff, but it, 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 it captures the imagination around that deep but analytics. The more, but the more
0: information that you feed into it, you're gonna spot things. It's gonna find things that you wouldn't you yeah, patterns wouldn't, most, wouldn't they're, they're never seen. Okay. Yeah. And that can never be you can't imagine that it's ever gonna be done unless somebody builds their own personal supercomputer com- super type of their own. Because they wouldn't have the funds or budget. But it's it's just too massive. Yeah, so at the end of the day it is if you looking at big data analytics, being able to how can I get the best information about how well my process in my manufacturing yeah, plant, or, or whatever that could be, even in a I don't, don't say a hospital, but where you have the, more, you the more the more information feeds you put into it, mm-hmm. yeah. it's going to spot things that you would never have spotted.
1: So so essentially, what we have been talking about with cloud is about codifying the implementation policy around consumption of IT services, et cetera. So what does
0: codifying? What does that mean? Uh, well, make it digital versus you know, as in as in making output. Something that can be read by a computer,
1: yeah, yes. Or, or, or yes, or, and and automated in a mm. uh, yeah by yeah. a computer, right? Um, so it's, it's looking after that policy, but it's it's going further with analytics in terms of policy creation, mm. yeah, okay, and the implementation of that new policy. So you're doing your, so as I say, lifecycle management with iterative improvements on your policy yeah. model to optimise the running of your yeah. uh, IT estate or your business okay. effectively. Yeah.
0: So. Where would, where would, if somebody's interested in this, is there somewhere they can go? Where would you, is there somewhere online? Is there a Cisco web
1: page? Get is started it, really. Yeah. It's, it's a big, it's a big it's subject. It's a big subject. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, um, yeah, it's probably. I imagine Cisco.com uh, forward slash go forward slash cloud, cloud <laughs> yeah. uh, would probably be a good start, uh, place to start. But I mean, there's lots of other places you can go look at. I think, yeah. I think. I think what's important here, really, to really emphasise, it's not about the technology as such. Mm-hmm. It's much. It's, it's not the what, it's the how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and that's the big conversation I have with CTOs, CIOs, etc. How are we going to get to the cloud model? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay. you know? because of, you know most people, most companies, enterprises, have got a large large amounts of legacy, mm-hmm. and that they need to identify, understanding the operational technical dependencies. You know of, of, the, of that yeah. install base and then be able to you know, figure out you know, move groups mm-hmm. um, to various uh, cloud platforms might okay. may it be private or public and
0: that's that service you're offering isn't that fast fast IT isn't so it?
1: fast IT is a nice easy way to, that Cisco and its partners can come in and talk to you and understand what the priorities are for the business and map the IT yeah. to those priorities of the business okay. um, we've had frameworks similar um, in the past but tend to be more technically focused mm-hmm. And what we're really looking at for is is about business outcomes here. Okay, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. so thinking—if I have thinking, got this right—is think think about your business outcome and think about how can cloud benefit those business outcomes you're looking for, and then how do you move from where you are now, mm-hmm. which may be not consuming cloud, a bit of cloud, to absolutely, yeah. oh, well, I, right I right go to
2: to strategy. I know. think
1: you can go and sell cloud now.
2: There you go. Hopefully, now. (laughs) Justin's (laughs) next. Greg, thanks
0: very much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark, again. Always pleasure. And uh, and if you've got any questions, and I've got loads still going on in my head, but uh, you can contact the podcast at at Justin Wollen or uh, email me at justin.wollen at cisco.com. So uh, that's two O's and one L. So thanks very much for listening and see you on the next podcast.